Hello, welcome to this Thursday edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Today we have another very special guest joining the podcast. He has not been on the podcast before, but um, there is Doug Glatke of Penguins Twitter. He is a great follow for you all. Does a lot of really good Penguins tweets. Doug, man, how you doing today? Good, Hunter. How you doing, buddy? I'm not doing too, too bad. You know, it's the free agency starting to die down a little bit, so it's we're getting, I guess, some, some slow times here in the NHL offseason, but anything can happen at any point, so that's just what I'm remembering. So, I mean, if we, let's just get on into it with the Penguins. They've obviously had a very busy offseason, more so than a lot of other teams. Would you say today that the Penguins are a better team than they were when they lost to the Canadians with all the roster turnover that's happened? I think that they're way better. It's just the issue is some of the guys that they're going to plug into these roles that were like occupied by like Hornquist and other guys, they seem very unproven. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think the big one for me, the big question mark is going to be Mark Jankowski. But I've already talked myself into that uh, signing. I think I really like it. And I think that he could work out. But you know, the big thing is, is they're a better team than they were leaving the bubble because they got they bought out Jack Johnson. Yeah. You know, and he's like, we all know he's horrible. We've <laughs> been beating the dead horse for two years now. Yeah. It's finally over. And I think we're going to see a lot better results on the ice since he's gone. Yeah. I agree with you on that. I think the defense is much improved, especially on that third pairing. We can talk forever about Mike Matheson and, you know, the contract that he has for six more years at over $4 million per and now if he's worth that. That's a discussion for, I think, another day. The fact of the matter is, is that he's an upgrade over Johnson. That's all that matters. And then Chad Ruedel, anyone's an upgrade over how Justin Schultz was playing this past season. I mean, the Penguins bad-mouthed him out the door and then of course he goes to the Washington Capitals and they're going to be playing him in the top four which is not wise if, if as I would say but you know to your point about Jankowski too I think the big thing with that signing is what version are they going to get of him are they going to get the version of him that had five goals and seven points this last season and didn't really do anything offensively or are they going to get the version of him from the last couple of seasons before that where he had 14 to 17 goals almost 30 points in a bottom six role at the Calgary Flames I mean Obviously, you're hoping for the latter and not the former. And if they can get the latter in that 14 to 17 goals while he plays next to Jared McCann, I think McCann at center is better than he is on the wing. I think your third line is much improved, but they're really banking on him just getting that level back that he had in 2017, 18, and 2018, 19. I think I'm, I'm, I'm willing to bet on him going back to the 14 to 17 goal for him because that year he was playing with James Neal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you're just going to get, even though Neal struggled in Calgary, you're going to get more offensive production by default playing with a good player rather than you are, you know, this past year where he was playing. I think his most common line mates were Zach Ronaldo and Toby Reader. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and, yeah, you know, nothing against those guys, but, like, when you're playing with those two, there's no poten- potential to produce offense. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's just as a result, that's going to make him have a better outcome, obviously with McCann. And right now they're saying Rodriguez, but 
I'm telling you, man, I think that Sam Poland's going to make this roster and he's going to be that third right winger until, you know, something happens where he can go up with Sid. So, yeah, that's the big wild card, I think. You know, a lot of people have Poulin making this team. I wouldn't be surprised if he did. I also wouldn't be surprised if he didn't, and they want him to get in the AHL another year just for his development. I think I've just been seeing some takes on Penguins Twitter about, you know, how he can potentially produce really well in his first season. I think those are a little ill-advised just because of, you know, I've seen some stats of some draft picks that high, and they haven't produced as well as some people have hoped for. So, I mean, you're probably looking at a third-line producing rate for Poulin or maybe even less for his first year. Um, you know, people want him to play in the top six. Not really sure I would do that right away. You know, I think I agree with you. You can probably play him on the third line. Bump Rodriguez down to the fourth line because Aston Reese is not going to be available for the start of the season. I think he's not going to be back until February, March, if I'm not mistaken, with that surgery that he had. So it, I'm just, it, it is going to be interesting to see if he does make this team. Like I said, it wouldn't surprise me one way or the other. I just I hope he has a really good camp and that he impresses the coaching staff because he is the one big wild card for this team going into the season. And if he does have good production and he's a boom this season. That's good production on an ELC. And that's exactly what this team needs, especially you know with the emergence of John Marino. He's still on a very cheap contract right now. And I think after this year, you know, he, he's going to be getting all the money too. So, I mean, the more players on the ELC, the better with the Penguins, just because of how much they spend up to the salary cap. Yeah, and I think, I think it's something that you try and gamble with, just throwing him in a third-line role. And see how he does. Like I think that you take the ten game tryout route, and if he blows it out of the water in those ten games, you make the decision to keep him up there. Because I like Evan Rodriguez, but I don't like him in a third line capacity. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, he's one of those guys. Like he's a perfect filler guy for if somebody's injured on that Bluger Aston Reese Tanev line. And you know the same goes for Sam Lafferty. I don't like him in a third line role either. I think that. You know, if Poland can come up and produce in a third line capacity, that just gives them another weapon in their top nine. And when I say move up with Crosby, I mean, like, say we're getting towards like the stretch run going into March, going into potentially like playoff mode here. I think you switch him and Cappy if Cappy isn't so hot and you make your top line better by putting Poland there and then. I think I just think a line of McCann, Jankowski, and Kapanen would absolutely just destroy people. Yeah, I think that you make a good point there with Kapanen potentially moving down and Poo and moving up if he's producing well. I know some people are not that high on Kapanen in the top six. I know he struggled this past season with Tavares and Nylander and Marner and Matthews. I think he rotated between those two lines and his production <laughs> wasn't as good. And, you know, if you can't produce with Sidney Crosby, you're going to be moved down the lineup. I mean, we saw players over the years that have done that. I mean, Dominic Simone was moved up and down the lineup at will. You know, he would produce and then not. So, I mean, I agree. I think McCann with Kapanen on the third line would be absolutely lethal. Will they do that? I'm not sure. Um, it's just th- there's a lot of interesting – you know, wild cards at play here for the Penguins. They can do a lot with this lineup. Obviously, you're not going to really touch the Zucker with Malkin and Russ line. Jake Gensel is going to be stapled next to Crosby. But, you know, that right wing spot, it's it's open for grabs. And I'm going to be curious to see who can get it. And, you know, I was going to ask you your thoughts on Evan Rodriguez on the third line, but you already said that before I could ask. I'm not really too big of a third line of Jankowski, McCann, and Rodriguez. I think that's just 
two like there's not a lot of offense that's going to come from that line. And I think McCann needs more players that are just have high upside offensively next to him than players such as Jankowski or Rodriguez, who are mostly just defense first, which is why I honestly wanted them to go out and target Jesper Foss, who of course signed three years for two million per. I wish the Penguins would have done that. And then, you know, Craig Smith goes out and signs a contract for barely even three million per season. So I'm still a little bit jammed about that too. So I mean I mean, that's not to say that these signings are bad. I think they're perfectly fine. I just think, you know, when you have an up, when you have an opportunity to upgrade over those and you really didn't have to do those two splashes right away, I think Jim Rutherford kind of should have waited to see how the market played out because it did not play out, um, I think, the way some people thought it would. Yeah, there, there's been a lot of surprising, really cheap deals, you know, especially with, like, right-handed defensemen. Like, yeah. We we could have filled that third pairing role and just put uh, Ruedel back into a seven or eight mm-hmm. uh, capacity and let that be like a luxury to the team, you know, because Trevor Van Reems like only got like eight hundred thousand by the Capitals, and the Troy Stetcher contract just kills me with him going to Detroit yeah. for two years at one point seven. That would have been perfect for them, and. You know, I think a big thing that like kind of strapped them down a little bit was uh, needing to retain on Nick Bukestad. Uh, that extra two million could have really, really helped them in this market. And then, you know, Colton Sevier as well. You know that that extra three point three million dollars could have really went a long way in this free agency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not really sure what to make of Sevier on the team. To be honest, I was talking about this the other day on the podcast by myself. He's just kind of there. You know, I compared him to, like, the Knicks falling in the return for the Hornquist and Neal trade. You know, he came back, but, like, where are you going to play him? And then I honestly just see them dumping him after, like, a year if he doesn't play. Well. I know he has good, I think, expected goals numbers, and his possession's not bad. So they're obviously going to play him in the lineup with Aston Reese Hurt on the third or fourth line. It's just, like, I don't know if he's going to be here this whole season. That's the thing. I think he could be potentially dumped. Um at some point this next season if the Penguins go out and make another trade, which I'm sure Jim Rutherford will do. But uh, before we do get to the next segment, uh, Doug, it's time to talk about rockauto.com. It's a family business serving auto park customers online for 20 years. You can go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. You can go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And you can write locked on in, in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That is rockauto.com. Okay, Doug, so there's obviously another big storyline that was going around the Penguins this offseason. And, you know, we have to bring it up just because it's been going around the last couple of weeks. The Marc-Andre Fleury Circus, of course, Vegas signed Leonard to a five-year deal, $25 million. He's going to be getting $5 million per season. Look at those awesome first-grade math skills by yours truly. And, you know, all the talk about Fleury, you know, where's he going to go? You know, he's, he wants to start. Is there going to be a return to Pittsburgh? We've seen Rob Ross. He talked about it a lot on his Twitter. We've seen a few others in the Pittsburgh sports media talk about it on their Twitter, too. Where were you in that camp? Just and because, and I asked this just because I just didn't see a need for it. And why would you move assets to get someone like that who really is not an upgrade to your backup position? I honestly would die on that hill till whenever. Yeah, my thing is with all of this is why would you do that to Tristan Jari? 
mm-hmm. you're Jim Rutherford, like yeah. why would you put him in that position where he's going to be overshadowed by Flurry and, you know, his band of fans? You know, like the only thing that Tristan Jari has going for himself with like a fan likeness perspective is the fact that he isn't Matt Murray. Yeah. So I mean, that's basically yeah. the best way to put it. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, yeah, he made the all-star game. Yeah. He had a nice 25, 30 game stretch there, but you know, and he's cheaper. Like he's not going to make $6.25 million against the cap next year, which is big. I mean, shout out to Murray for getting his, uh, for getting the bag. He's there, set but... for life now. <laughs> yeah, man, he's, he's set. And I think, you know, as that contract's getting ready to end, Ottawa's going to be starting to get a lot better, and they'll probably end up paying them even more money to stay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I just don't want them to treat Jari the same way they treated Murray, especially when Murray mm-hmm. took Flurry's job. You know, it was just all the garbage takes. Oh my God, why is Flurry out? Uh, put him back in. Matt Murray stinks. His glove hand stinks. He doesn't smile a lot, he doesn't prank anyone. Just all that narrative garbage takes that we saw on Penguin's Twitter. Just, you know, I honestly compared it. I said this on my Twitter, you know, just a bunch of 16 year olds that started watching the team when they were born in like 2003 or something like that. You know, they got into the team when they were young in 2009, when they were six years old or something. And it's just like, I've, I've had enough of it. I really don't need to see any more of these takes. And, you know, and that's the last thing Jari needs. Uh, he, he lets in a bad goal. He has one bad start. Oh, my God, Stark Marc-Andre Fleury. Oh, he needs to start for the rest of the season. And it's just like, yeah, no thanks. I'm perfectly fine with running Casey to Smith. And I talked about this, too, you know, a lot this last week. Your goaltending tandem with Jari and DeSmith, it's really cheap, which is what a cap, what a team that spends up to the salary cap needs, I think. Yeah, I think that, you know, Tying up 4.75 between the two of them Mm -hmm. is really good because that year that DeSmith was in the A in the NHL the full year, um, he had really good numbers and he was getting a lot of I feel like he took a lot of opportunities away from Matt Murray just because of how how good his play was in that season. And then, you know, the Penguins really lucked out with nobody claiming him on waivers at the end of training camp last Mm -hmm. year. And it's kind of set us up to be able to be in this position that we are right now. Yeah, I 100% agree. And you can just lift him up to the NHL squad, and it's perfectly fine. And I think they just signed another goalie to play in the NHL alongside with um, Larmy, I think, is down in works there. I think he's the starter right now when DeSmith is going to get called up. So, I mean, that's your tandem down there. They're obviously going to promote DeSmith. There's just no need to go out and get Marc-Andre Fleury. So, you know, I had to ask about that also you know before we do get to our um our next commercial break in the next couple of minutes do you see the team doing anything else in free agency or trades i mean i know jim rutherford said to the media the last couple of days yeah we're gonna just lay it out the next couple of days see what comes along and and if something does come along during that time or during any time to upgrade our team we're obviously going to do it i mean i would believe that just because he makes trades out of his ass but do you see them doing anything else adding a defenseman or adding a forward or anything so i'm very well versed in like the maple leafs as well and if they if they need to keep shedding salary cap to sign a couple of their guys, I know they still have to sign Dermot, Nilia Mikheyev. They need to try and look into Justin Hall. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that would be a really solid acquisition because he only makes $2 million. The Penguins have the cap space to handle it. I think that that could easily be the trade that you move Colton Sevier out in as well. And it's one of those things where it's like, if you can get somebody who's a right-hand shot, who defensively might possibly be on the same level as Pedersen and Dumoulin, you have to do it. Yeah, I, that that is honestly a name that I had not considered yet. I'm glad you brought that up. I was honestly came out of left field. 28 years old, 68 games played. So he basically played a full season before the pause. 18 points, his possession is around 51% overall for his career, almost 52%, which is pretty awesome. And that was his first full season in the league as I'm looking at this right now. I honestly don't know a lot about him, but it looks like he can move the puck up the ice well. Him and Ruedel would battle for that. Six spot. I, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think that will be a really interesting battle in training camp. And if he can move the puck and put up those possession numbers again for another full season, you can get him for cheap, I would guess. So that would be, I think, a slam dunk for the Penguins if they can do it. Yeah, and I think that his possession numbers would get better because the sample size would be much smaller because he'd be playing in a third pairing capacity. Mm-hmm. Because last year, a lot of his time, he was spent on the second pair playing with Jake Muzzin. Mm -hmm. So I think that if you play him with whether it be Matheson or POJ, I think that that's just going to be a home run. And especially if you play him with Matheson, it'll be like he'd be the yin to Mike Matheson yang in terms of Matheson can just go and take chances offensively with Hall just being back there playing center field. And, uh, you know, making sure that everything's okay back there. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind that at all, especially because I think Matheson and him would, it would be a combination third pairing. It would be a hell of a lot better than Johnson and Schultz. But I mean, how can you get worse from that? To be honest, yeah. when like that pairing was on the ice for like 80% of the goals during the series against Montreal, I mean, especially Johnson, I think he was on the ice for five of six even strength goals. So I wouldn't mind that at all. I think Ruido could potentially beat him out. I think people are sleeping on Ruido a bit. It still wouldn't surprise me if he is the number six defenseman next season, but bringing in some competition for him, you know, especially a player that had almost 20 points last season in his first full season in the league with Toronto. That would be prudent. You get him for cheap, like, what, a million or something, if that. And the Penguins still have some salary cap space. I would be definitely all for that. But uh, before we do get to our next segment, Doug, it's time to talk about Bilko. There's a lot of walls that need to be broken down in just everyone's life. It's the healthy replacement for your energy drink, but the energy, it's not fake. It's lasting and natural. You can put it in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever. You can put it in your golf bag to power through the back nine, or you can put it in your pocket to get through the day. There's three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, chocolate, mint. There's an offer. You can go to Bilko.com and use promo code LOCKED, and you'll get $20 off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED for $20 off at Bilko. .com. Let's go. Okay, so we only have a few more minutes left for the show. I just wanted to just get your take on a couple things. You know, I've been seeing, you know, Danny Shirey Irving, who I've had on this podcast before. He's been tweeting out a lot of these um, underlying number charts, which are just awesome. I love looking at them. And, you know, a player that, you know, I think not a lot of people are talking about enough that's in the top six next season is Jason Zucker. You know, he's basically a point-per-game player. He was – Lethal next to Crosby was lethal next to Malkin. You know, I think of all, of all the players in that top six outside of Crosby and Malkin, he's the one I'm most excited for just because he was also one of their best players, if not their best player in the bubble in that series against Montreal. Yeah, 
I totally agree. And I'm looking at the visual from Danny right now where with and without Jack Johnson, the CF percentage goes up 16%, (laughs) which means we're going to get a lot more offensive output from Jason Zucker. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if that is if we play a full season. Like, say we play a full 82-gamer. I would not be surprised if he scores between 30 and 35 goals. That would that would be obviously the best case scenario. I'm, I'm definitely penciling him in for 20 to 25, but if he can go 30, 35, get like 65, 70 point season, I mean, I think that's best case scenario. That would just be meant on many levels. I, I would absolutely love that. Yeah, I think that him and Malkin could easily get a connection going where it was, uh, where, where it used to be like with Malkin and Neil, where they were mm-hmm. both just automatic. I think that they can. I think Zucker plays very well off of Malkin's game and is a good complement to uh, his playing style. And having Russ there, too, I mean, he scored like 60 some points last year, had a great breakout season. I just think that this top six is going to be really talented. And uh, if we can figure out the third line, we're going to be, we're going to be a good shape. Yeah, it's, one of the best top sixes in the league. I, you probably can't name five better, to be honest. I mean, Tampa Bay, Boston, obviously. But, I mean, outside of that, I mean, Vegas, I think, too, even though they lost Stastny. But there's not many top sixes that are better than this unit. So, yeah, I'm just really stoked to see Zucker in a full season here. And lastly, before we um, have this episode end, what do you think the ceiling is for this team next season? I've been seeing a lot of takes on Penguins Twitter the last couple of days. You know, they had some smart additions, you know, with the Kapanen one, but they could be just a second-round exit just because Boston and Tampa Bay are still really freaking good. Tampa Bay, obviously, the defending champions, they're going to be loaded at every position, even though they're going to have to deal potentially Kalorn, Yanni Gord, Andre Palat just to sign their RFAs. I'm hoping still a team offer sheets one of their RFAs, but it looks like that's probably not going to happen at this point, and then Boston, of course, is just awesome too. But what do you think the ceiling is for this team? Do you think they're in the elite for contention? I think that they're they're going to be a legitimate cup contender. It reminds me a lot of this. Reminds me a lot of the off season between the sixteen cup run, mm-hmm. where you know there's a lot of unpopular moves going on, but they're better for it. Like, for instance, people weren't completely sold on Nick Benina when he first got here. I think that Jankowski is very much in the same boat as that, where he could have a nice little offensive uptick and be a great player, especially in the playoffs. And I think that this is one of those teams where it's going to get to a point in the year where you think they're done. And then it's like, holy hell, they finished like second or third in their division. They have home ice. Mm. That would, I, I think they're definitely a contender to win the Metro next season. I mean, everyone says that, but then the Washington Capitals usually just run away with it or they just get it at the end. I mean, the Metro is getting better. I think Philly is still a good team, but I mean, I don't know if they're at the contender status yet. The Islanders are still the Islanders. Barry Trotz is still the top five coach in the league, even though they just traded Devon Taves. They still have the talent. They, they buy into his boring system. I mean, that's what it is. It's a boring system, but, you know, it's very effective. 
The Devils have made some fine moves. Columbus, I'm not really sure what to make of them, but it's going to be a very competitive division. I saw the Penguins making the playoffs. I mean, the good thing is, though, man, like the fact that they got rid of Johnson, if they would have had Johnson going on to the team next season, I think you would have seen a lot of people saying that they would have missed the playoffs just because of him on the roster. And honestly, I wouldn't have blamed people for that just because of how he drags everyone down. But thank God that's not the case, and Jim Rutherford finally came to his senses. But oh, one more question actually popped in before I did let you go. Um, it was about the Zucker thing. You know, for the Penguins' power play next season, you're obviously going to have Crosby, Malkin, Latang, and Gensel. Would you have Zucker as the fifth guy on that unit, or would you potentially put someone on there like Kapanen or a second defenseman? So I would like them to put Zucker there. Mm-hmm. I think that him and Jake can kind of piggyback the net front role, but also I think that they're just going to throw Kapanen in there. You know, this remind Kapanen reminds me of one of those moves that Jim makes where he's going to, him and Sully are going to work together and give Kapanen every chance he needs to succeed. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see him getting top power play minutes. He's obviously going to be penciled in on the top line with Crosby and Gensel. And I think he's a good PK or two. So he's probably going to get some PK time. Um, but if it were up to me, I would have Zucker there as the fifth guy, maybe being a trigger man in the slot and just let him rip it. Yeah. And, and so, I, I agree with yeah. you on that. He, he was good on the power play in the series against Montreal. I think both of his goals. Now I know one of them definitely came on the power, play. I think it was, that was the game three where they yeah. made it two to one. I think that was the second unit was on the ice when he was, he scored the power play goal. And he's just, he's everywhere on that unit. It almost feels like the unit goes through him when he's on the ice, I mean, when Marino didn't have the puck, and I would definitely like to see him promoted to that um, top power play unit. But, um, Doug, thanks for all the insight com- to coming on this podcast. This was a ton of fun. I'm definitely going to have you on in the future as we get closer to the start of the season. It looks like it's going to be January, but um, if the Penguins do make some more moves this offseason, I'm definitely going to have you on as well. So thank you so much for coming on. Oh, yeah, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. There will be another episode coming tomorrow. That will be Friday for the, for the Locked on Penguins podcast. So I will talk to you all then. Hope you all have a great rest of your day.